Thank you, teachers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, te oh, good luck. <laughs> I know some of those kids. <laughs> Whoo! Hey, next year, next year, next week, next week, this place will be six years old. Next week. Huh? We're still looking for a worship team who's talented. I'm telling you, we are. Man, weren't they great this morning? Isn't that awesome? I was at a, I was at a conference uh, years ago, like eight years ago, seven years ago, and I said, hey, I'm, uh, I, I got to talk to a guy. and uh, <clears throat> I said, man, what do I do? You know, we, we moved here. My, my wife and I were what you call a, a, a parachute plant. Like, we'd just kind of drop in, and we didn't know of anyone who was really going to help us. And, uh, you know, I, I went to this guy, and I said, man, what are we going to do for worship? What are we going to do for all these things? You know, we're moving to a really small town. And I remember the guy just looked at me, and he said, it's a, it's a small town. I said, there's not less talented people. There's just less of them. And man, we were, God has just blessed us. The talent that was up here, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, worship team, great job. Um, so yeah, six years, and uh, we, we wanted to um, build something that, that reaches out to people who, are, uh, who are, are maybe like me. And uh, I can remember, you know, when I decided to go back to church, and, and I was young, thank God. Uh, he did this when I was young. Many of you have told you this, uh, but I sat in the foyer for two weeks. I didn't want to go in. I thought, I mean, what will they, what will they think of me? Uh, and so for those of you who came for the first time today and you're actually in, man, you're more brave than I am. Thank you. We are, we're honored that you joined us today. And I want you to understand that no one expected you to be a Bible scholar when you walked in here. No one expected you to have all your stuff together. If so, please, there's another microphone. Join me on stage because we need to know what you've done to have all your ducks in a row. We don't know where our ducks are, okay? Uh, so congratulations on that. But but really, all the scripture is going to be on the screen. Uh, I, we, don't, we don't assume a lot, of, a lot of knowledge. So just kind of follow along with this. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's Bibles in the foyer. We would love for you to take one. Uh, the Bible is a small library, actually. It's not really a book. It's more like a library. There are 66 books in that one binding. The first 39 are the, uh, the Old Testament or the Old Law or the Old Covenant. And that covenant, God told his people that one day, uh, through a specific place, through a specific people, he would bring a Messiah, someone, to save the world from themselves. And isn't that what we need saved from today, ourselves? Aren't most of your problems caused by yourself? Uh, I know that because when I look in the mirror, that's where most of my problems come from. And I just, maybe you can relate to that. So uh, he said that he would bring someone. So when that someone came, that was more than just a someone. It was more than just a person. We believe that God became flesh and dwelt among us. We call him Jesus. And that is when the new law or the new covenant um, or the new testament began. So we have those Bibles for you for free. We'd love for you to take them. It's not a burden. It, we... We'd love for you to take those, okay? Uh, it's really a joy 
for you to take that. So uh, please do that. Uh, but we want you to read that, and we want you to have a faith because we have a world that is spiraling into uh, uh, chaos. This is not, not doom and gloom. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There's always been problems. Uh, but we are seeing catastrophes all over the world. Las Vegas is flooding and Hawaii is on fire. Like, things are just weird. And we're seeing catastrophes. And a, 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 an unthought, superstitious faith has no benefit to the world. And in fact, I can't believe in those things. I believe, man, Jordan, golly, Jordan, you killed it today. That was awesome. You have, you have an amazing gift uh, to lead worship. But she was singing Hosanna, and it starts off with, I see the king of glory riding on the clouds of fire. And, and we, we think this, we, we believe this, that in the end, the Lord is going to come back. And we think about how he will take his people, and we think streets of gold, and we think all of these things. But understand, when you see the king of glory riding on the clouds with fire, do you know what fire represents in the Bible? Judgment. There is this very warm brownies fresh out of the oven thought that comes when we think of our God and when we think of Christianity and it becomes very convenient, convenient to the fact that we, we ignore it until there's a funeral and then we bring it up only for comforting purposes. Read the Bible. It is not largely comforting. Well, I, I, I mean, I kind of, I'm going to take that back. Yes ultimately comforting but like people went through some stuff you understand you're gonna go through some stuff and there's just there's just an actual faith there's an actual life that is played out that is not just superstitious comforting faith and think about this if there's a real God if you can get past in the beginning God if you can get past that part of the Bible, then I really don't care what you think about that God. It doesn't matter what you think about that God. He is who He is. And the things that our world are holding over us is like, well, if God, then, right? And what they're saying is, if there's the God that I make up, then He should play by the rules I make up. And the God that is doesn't care about what you made up. He has a judgment that is true. I mean, believe it or not, he knows better than we do. And he has a reality that he will see fulfilled. Church, and I mean this in the most like, like I'm putting myself in there with you, whether we like it or not. And we hold him to a standard that we've made up, but it doesn't matter to him. He's already got the standard. My kids have a full-scale rebellion, come in yelling anarchy, and they're like, we're going to stay up all night, and we're going to be in your bed, right? And they make these rules, and I'm like, that's cute, but it's wrong. Go to bed. <laughs> they, have, they have completely rebelled. And we do the same thing. We start imposing all these things on God. It's not that He doesn't care about you. It's that He doesn't entertain injustice. He doesn't entertain 
unholy. He doesn't entertain wrong. So he is who he is, whether we like it or not. And he has given us a purpose. And that purpose is in the beginning, spelled out for us. I want to walk you through some things. Uh, Let's call today's sermon eccentric at best. But you can follow with me, okay? Maybe, maybe you'll learn some things through this, uh, but hold on, because in the end, hopefully it'll make sense, and you'll be like, oh, wow, that was awesome. That's best case scenario. <laughs> things could get weird. Hold on. Last week, we talked about trees. Uh, trees are a theme through the Bible. Really fascinating study. I know this sounds like a barn burner, doesn't it? Woo! But it is. This week we're going to talk about something else. Let's just, let's just walk through Genesis a little bit and, and pick out a few things that are there. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. Holy Spirit, show us we need you. We need divine help. Amen. These are the records of the heaven and the earth concerning their creation. I'm in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Told you all the scriptures on the screen. At, that time, uh, at, at the time that the Lord made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. Now, I know that you were in Sunday school, and you had a very green world in your mind, but nothing had sprouted yet. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But, mist. Now, if you're following in your Bible, some of your Bibles do not say mist. This is a word only used uh, twice in Old Hebrew, in the Bible. And so, we're kind of like taking a shot. We know like what the word means. The transliteration is like ed. There's an ed that's coming up and it's something coming up out of the ground. And so some people say there's a mist out of the ground. Most will say there's a fountain. Most scholars believe this is a spring. This is a spring of water coming up out of the earth. Now let's pull the cat out of the bag. The book of Genesis is dripping with symbolism. I did not say it is not literal, okay? Something can be literal and still be symbolic. In fact, I'm going to use this stuff in my sermon today. It's symbolic of something else. There's a literal jug here, okay? But uh, there are, there are, there, there's symbolism going on, and, and, and I need you to understand there's, they are thematic through the Bible. There are some things that almost always represent something. So, for example, today we'll talk about uh, fountains, springs, rivers almost always represent the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Uh, okay, uh, stars, constellations, those are going to be heavenly uh, beings. The earth, dirt, take a guess, hint, the word Adam, <laughs> Okay, okay, is is us. We're normally dirt. Congratulations. Okay, oil. Oil is normally the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are some things that are thematic that run through. Okay, but 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 this is going to be a a, a fountain, a spring that's coming up out of the earth. Spring represents the Holy Spirit. The earth is. And we have a spring coming up out of the earth. 
that'll play. That ball's on the tee. Go ahead and hit that. You get it? So, there is, like, Jesus is in the beginning. He's all through the Bible. Okay, here we go. Mist. But the mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Okay, the condition of the land is not yet growing. And, and, and we have the reason, because there is not yet rain. It's not been rained on, it's not been watered, and so nothing is growing from the land. The plants are the fruit of the land. So what does the land need? Water. You're the land. What do you need? Water. Okay? Holy Spirit. Maybe that's what we're talking about today. Keep going. Verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Now, I know that just blew your mind. Because you learned about the garden of Eden. But that's not right. Because now we're learning about a garden in Eden. You see the difference? Okay. There was Eden, and then there was a garden planted in Eden. Okay. Now there is Eden. This is the land. This is a people. You take a section of land, and you have a section of people. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, God's place that he chooses to put the garden is this section that he has chosen. God's chosen people were the Israelites. So Eden represents these people. And inside of that is where he is going to do his thing. We believe this is where this fountain, the spring is coming up, will be in this garden. And this is the garden in Eden. And we think that the garden is constructed in the same way that we see God make plans for the temple be constructed. So this was the first temple, was the garden in Eden. You're like, dude, you are a nerd. <laughs> and that's okay. Because I've been called way worse. Okay. Where were we? We just finished eight. Okay. Oh, no, we, we didn't even finish. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden. The tree of life is in the middle of the garden, okay? The tree of life, life is in the middle of the garden. In the middle of the temple was the holy of holies. This is where God dwelt. Now, we know that Adam is about to sin, and he is kicked out of the garden. And this starts a process for man to try to get back into the middle of the garden. God gave us this through symbolism because there was a temple, and in the middle of the temple was the most holy place. There was a temple, they had the courtyard, they had a holy place, and then they had a most holy place where God dwelt, and only one man in one time of year could go into the most holy place and be with God. And this gave a way for men to bring sacrifices to God and commune with God because Adam gets kicked out of the first temple, out of the first holy place where he got to go freely and be with God. And after he is kicked out, man is forever trying to get back to the most holy place, which is the presence of God. 
clear, right? Okay, some of you are like, man, I can't wait for lunch. Okay, this is important. We have the trees in the middle of the garden. Let's go to verse 10. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there, okay, so the river comes from Eden into the garden, one river. From there, it divided and became the source of four rivers. Symbolism, come on, walk with me. You have out of this chosen land, land representing the people, one river coming out, and it is coming into this garden, and it burst into, or burst, it, it divides into four rivers, and from the garden, from the temple, we begin to go in different directions, into the four corners of the earth. Oh, man, I gave it away. Into four different places, right? And so from the temple, where the Messiah is going to come, where your God uh, has, has said, this is, this is what, what I've blessed, from here we will water the earth. Did you, ever, did you pick this up on your first reading? Yeah, me neither. Now, uh, it divided and became four rivers. So how did the garden have life? Because there was water coming into the garden. And now man is there to work and cultivate the garden. We know that the water is the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, what is the point in the garden? This is a temple. This is where God dwelt. God walked with Adam in the garden, in the temple. And from there, from this place, the water went in to four different directions and went out of the garden into the rest of the world. This was God's design that from his temple, from his presence, the world is watered. And so from his temple, it goes out. And this is constantly what he's trying to get his people to do is go water check it out later on in exodus chapter 9 verse 5 through 6 now if you would this is this is after adam has already sinned and 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 moses is like pharaoh pharaoh let my people go whoa too old for that. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. This is God talking to Moses. Tell the Israelites, be a kingdom of priests. Tell them, you go to the temple and you receive the river and then you water the land. Kingdom of priests. Later on in Hebrews, no, I'm going to take that back. It, it, it is said in Hebrews, but uh, later on, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is not speaking any longer just to the Israelite people. This is speaking to Christians. This is speaking to you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been past the baton. You go into the temple, you get the water, and then you spread from there and you water the land, the people. You take the gospel. You are a kingdom of priests. It's been re-upped. This is now your purpose. 
You go into the temple and you receive and you fill up and then you go and water others. And, 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 and I believe with all of my heart that if you are a Christian and you are not being filled with water, you will be thirsty. We know that the Bible has uh, symbolism of, of, of water stuff. I'm going to take you to some passages in John. John really plays with this whole idea of water. And we believe that you are thirsty. And if you, have, uh, if you have not been able to quench your thirst, your desire for the presence of God, for the need for God to move in your life, you become very thirsty. And that will make you very angry. That will make you very discouraged. Also, if you begin to quench that, but you are not able to pour that out to others, we believe that you will become very depressed. And so we have many people who God has anointed and said, you are a priest in my name, and you have no purpose, you have no way to go and provide water for others. You're not living out what you were called to do. I've been to the temple, I've received water, but I have nowhere to give this water. It becomes a burden for you, and you're looking for a place. And if you are not able to water the land, if you are looking out at a barren wasteland, and you think, I have a solution for this, but I can't do it, it will cause great depression to come over you. And so for many of you, maybe this sort of satisfies that longing you had. You didn't know what you were looking for when you came into church today. But let me tell you, you have it in you to work the land. Adam was put in the garden to work the land. This is symbolic. And Adam looks out and he sees, he sees plants that are dying. He sees ground that is dry. He sees people that he loves that are dying without Jesus and they have no hope in this life or for eternity and he says but I can do something about this and so he wants to cultivate he wants to till this soil and if he's not able to do it it causes depression because he looks out on what is in him to put out and he's done nothing and it will be depressing we believe this causes great depression among Christians Your point in life chiefly is to worship the Lord, is to go into the temple and be watered, but also then to go water. What did Jesus say was the greatest two commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Go drink. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Go water. It was told to us in the very beginning, and it didn't change. I know we're under a new law and a new covenant, but the purpose, the chief end of man, is the same. We are supposed to water. We are supposed to bring that out, and it will bring great depression on you when you are not able to. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, we know that a tree has roots, and those roots go into the soil, and they gather what? They gather water. And so that tree will bring the water up, and it will provide the branches with water. And when you cut a branch off of a tree, the branch is no longer receiving. I mean, he set it up. He set it up for us. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I want my life to matter. I want something to happen. I want to produce fruit, but I can't do it without 
the Lord. I, I, I'm going to tell my own story because I, I don't know your story this week. I hope you have your stories. I've been wrestling with God. People have been coming to me, and, and, and we have, we have a, a lot of people who have received superstition, who have received religion from a funeral somewhere where they got bad teaching, and they're coming to me and saying, I just can't buy this. This is just Santa Claus uh, for adults, and I agree with them largely on what they were taught. But meanwhile, I'm going, show up, God. Do something, God. And, and I, like, I know better. I know that God is not my puppet to pull the strings on. But, man, if something could just happen to clinch that, that soul. And so I've been wrestling with God about these things. And, and like, God, I just, I, just, I want to be in your presence. Because it becomes very draining on me. And, Lord, I, I, I need you. And so last night, my wife and I were driving in uh, on I-20 in on we we were east and headed back west uh we so we were westbound on i-20 on the eastbound side there was a wreck and i was looking on my westbound side about half a mile before i took the uh the exit ramp to come into ranger there was a, a small car parked and they had their hazard lights on and they're on the side of the road so i took the exit and i was going home and the holy spirit just would not let me go and i pulled the truck over and i i make a legal u-turn and uh, my, my wife said, where are we going? And my son, who is like Magellan, you can tell he's biologically not mine, uh, immediately he's like, Dad, where are we going? You know, the girls, they have my biology. They're like, I have no clue where we are. So, um, so to turn around for them, that, that could be the way home. They don't know. <laughs> they said, where are we going? And I, I told my wife, I said, there's a couple ladies broken down and... Just no, nobody's going to come help them, and so I, I have to I have to go and help them. So I go to the access road. We walk across the median to go in to help uh, these ladies, and sure enough, uh, this lady she's driving a, a Kia. There's two women, just like I had said there would be. I didn't know it was dark. They're on the side of the road. I have no idea how I knew there were two women in this car. Um, so, you know, I come and knock on their window, and they're like, "We're all going to die." <laughs> And uh, I said, what's wrong? And the lady said, I don't know, I hit something. And so I go in the front, and sure enough, she had hit a small bicycle, and it had just completely crushed her radiator. And then just all the fluid is on the ground. The front, I have no idea how this bicycle did this. This was a supernatural collision. It was like a little stride bike. And the pegs, the peg, you know, the back where you ride on the back tire? The peg. Had one of them had gotten into the concrete and the other one had gone through the radiator. Like, how does that even happen? And so I thought, this is just the strangest collision I've ever seen. And so I went in and I said, what can we do for you? And she said, I don't know, pray. She has no idea I'm a minister. And she breaks down crying and she said, my son's 28 years old and he died about five hours ago, and I am trying to get to Plainview. This is, this is where we're going. She's coming from the Metroplex, trying to get to Plainview. She said, I don't know how I'm going to get there, and now we're broken down. And so my wife and I were able to minister to him a little bit and, um, and send him on their way. But the Lord just told me. 
And this is one of the things that, that, I get, that I get out of this. First of all, I hope that you're impressed on how holy I am, right? <laughs> I, I legitimately, I hate telling stories like this because it's like it feels, it feels weird, but, but we do need to, to brag on the Lord. I, I had nothing to do with this. How, how did I know that there were women in, in this car and, and multiple women in this car that were stranded and no one was going to help them? And she's so frazzled. She says, I, I don't know where we are. Uh, I, I've tried to call roadside service. I can't tell them even where we are. You know, you can imagine she's not thinking just super straight. How do I know that? And one of the things that I think the Lord was, was showing me is like, you know, I work through you for my benefit. Because we're like, Lord, it would... I would believe if I could just win the lottery this week. Like the Powerball's up this week. If you could just do that. But read the scripture. The movement of the Holy Spirit is not always for your convenience. The Holy Spirit moves and Elijah is able to, 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 to make it not rain and then, and, then, and then he calls fire down from heaven and all these people get murdered and he's being chased for his life and the Holy Spirit led him into that. The Holy Spirit came upon the 12 disciples and all of them were murdered for their faith. It's not always for our convenience. It is for the glory of our God. And when I'm able to be a part of something that is for His glory, it is joy. It's so weird. Because I begin to bear fruit. For some of you, becoming a Christian has caused you nothing but Felicia calling you and asking you to serve every Sunday. <laughs> for some of you, becoming a Christian has really caused nothing if you look at it from the world's standpoint. But service, it's more work. Now I'm supposed to read, I got all these things that I can't do, and it's your joy. It is the thing that you will die for before anything else. Why? Because it is in you to drink, because you are thirsty, and it quenches your soul. And then it gives you a purpose to go out and water. And when you cannot fulfill that purpose, you become very depressed. When we shut down in April of 2020, more people called me with a pistol in their mouth than I had had in our entire being a church. Why? I can't water. I can't drink. There is a purpose in serving our God. There is a purpose in being a Christian. There is a purpose in being a human. Straight from the beginning it's given to us. So you are this. Not the pretty plant. You're the dirt. But God created this beautiful world for us to be in. So it's okay to be dirt. But this is what you produce. And you've got to feed this because this, this becomes my purpose, to bear fruit. But what happens after a while? This sucks all the life out of the soil, doesn't it? <laughs> That's how you know you're doing it right. If what you're doing in life is sucking the life out of you, congratulations, you're bearing fruit. 
And so you understand when King David said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. So we need to be watered. But we're in a stage four drought, so I didn't fill this up. You're just going to have to use your imagination. (laughs) I long for this. And, and you're doing the right thing in coming to church. Obviously, we wouldn't have started a church if we didn't think that this was a good thing to do. But sometimes, man, coming to church, and, and, and we get encouraged to go and be with the Lord and read our Bible. And so, man, you have one on your nightstand. That plant's still thirsty. That soil's still dry. Well, I live in the Bible Belt. <laughs> You still need to drink. I have a Bible. You still need to drink. You might, and and listen, I hope you have your version of the Bible. I mean, I'm sure there's other great apps. Man, they'll give you a scripture of the day, and that's awesome, and you read one verse, and that's like, (laughs) it's good, it's helpful, but you're still thirsty. You know how to drop a superstition and get a relationship with Jesus? Go to the drinking hole. I was wrestling with God when all of this happened. It's no wonder that that happens the other day. That, that, that I begin to just, God, I need something. And then yesterday he gives me a reminder, dude, I'm working all around. A couple months ago, I came to you and I just had been wrestling and wrestling over, over God, what do, you, what do you want me to preach? And I'd made these notes and Sunday morning, I'm like, this is junk. <laughs> so I go and I'm rewriting my whole sermon. And as I'm writing my sermon, my printer turns on and prints my old notes that I had already gotten rid of and not saved. It's for your benefit. God, you could have given me that on Thursday so I didn't work all weekend in vain. I don't know. Is it, if we get to heaven and we find out that God's like, that was funny. <laughs> Things are going to make so much more sense. Like, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to assign like human attributes to God. But sometimes it's just like, hope you're getting a kick out of this. John 4, 13 through 4. I, I'm going to... Breeze through a couple of these things. I told you, John plays with this really well. Jesus said, I'm in John 4, 13 through 14. We call this the woman at the well. He meets a woman he's not supposed to be talking to. She ain't, she ain't a believer, you know what I'm saying? So he's got to talk to her, and he says, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. They're at a well. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Does that sound like the Garden of Eden to you? It does to me. John 7, 37-39, Jesus speaking again on the last and most important day of the festival. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. In the beginning, the, 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 the ground had not produced anything because it had not yet rained. There was water, but it was what? It was coming up from the ground, from the people. Water comes up. The Holy Spirit comes through you into someone else. It's the point. The Holy Spirit's been there the whole time. In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our own image. Who's he talking to? Jesus was there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. They're, they were part of this symbolism. Everything is 
pointing to this. Out of you will come him. Why did he set that up? I don't know. It seems like a flawed system to me because I've met me before. But out of me will come water pouring to you. Out of you will come water pouring to someone else, but it will not come until you are full. You've got to go to the well and drink. You've got to be in your word. You've got to be on your knees. You've got to be spending some time with God. I'm going to use a word, meditation. I'm not talking about, you're not going to levitate. Okay? This is not the, 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 the real flexible dude in Mortal Kombat. Okay? You've got to meditate. You've got to sit and think about some scripture. And God gives you revelation and you pour that into others. He's chosen for that spring to come out of you. He's chosen to place the garden in Eden. You have a garden in Eden. You are now Eden. You are now part of the, 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 the you're part of the people. And inside of the people, he put the garden. And so inside of Israel, they had a tabernacle. But then when Jesus died, the curtain was torn that separated the Holy of Holies from everything else. Why? Because the Holy Spirit no longer lives there. The Holy Spirit works in people. So you are now the Holy of Holies. And you have the Garden of Eden in you. And it is watered. And from there, you water. You have life to bring to people. Without water, there is no life. You understand that right now better than ever. Luke eleven thirteen. Sorry, back there, if I skipped a couple of scriptures. If you then, who are evil, worship team, go ahead and come up, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I'm pushing, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible all the time, all the time. And I want you to. There is, there is food in that. There is bread in that. And we've, we've talked a lot about bread. Jesus works this analogy, bread, trees, water. It runs through the whole, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. It runs the whole way. In fact, you'll find the serpent in Genesis, you'll find the serpent in Revelation. I mean, the whole thing is brilliantly constructed. But he says... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I have no formula to give you on how to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. It doesn't exist. But when you spend time with God, and you have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit will fill you, and you can't fake it. It will just come out. People will come to you and say, how did you know I was going through this? Why did you call me right now? Why would you give me this right now? And you go, I just had a bunch of water. I don't know. And it will flow out of you. You say, I've never experienced that before. Okay, one more time. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Church, live according to God's Word. Ask Him to send you the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to comfort you, to use you. And we believe that your thirst will be quenched and that you will begin to water others. So in summary, spend time with God. Spend time with God. Go to the watering hole.
I forgot something today, actually, in my analogies. It's sitting in the back of my truck. I had a, a, a jug of poison. If I added poison to this water, <laughs> there are things that we are doing that are, that are, oh, we're, we're, we're getting something from somewhere, but it's not the Holy Spirit. There's no substitute for spending time with God. You say, well, pastor, I have no time. Me neither. <laughs> I don't, I don't read real well. I, I have ADD. I have all these things. Listen, I get that, and I'm not discrediting any of those excuses. They are totally valid, but I think that a supernatural God can overcome those things and speak to your heart. Church, pray. Pray and ask God to speak to you. Open your Bible if you've never read it before. I highly recommend the book of John. Just maybe start there. Look for water as you go. Ask the Lord, speak to me. And then meditate on what you have heard. Books, great. I have books out in the foyer. Recommend them all. But there's no substitute for spending time with the Holy Spirit. Church, pray, read your Bible, go to church, be the church. You've got to spend time with Jesus. You've got to meditate because He has something for you to do. And it will fill you up and it will fill your community. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are faithful to fill us up. We thank you that you are faithful to quench our thirst. God, there's not a soul in here. There's not a person that doesn't know what it is to be thirsty, to need you, to need a touch from you. And so, God, I pray you know individually what's going on in every single person. I know that they need a touch from you, God. You, uh, God, a lot of times, I'm just being real honest, you don't answer my prayers in the way that I see it, but you have always answered me, Father. You have always come through on your promises. And so, I, God, I, in, instead of us writing a formula for you to follow, God, I pray for open eyes to see what you are doing instead of what we want you to do. And, and I pray that you will bless us with that, touch us with that, and help us to follow you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team's going to play one more song. Uh, some people are going to come up with uh, baskets. If you filled out a connection card, drop it in that basket. Uh, also, that's the appropriate place to put your tithe and offerings, part of our worship as a believer. Last week, you guys were sort of challenged to buy um, school supplies for kindergarten through fifth grade. And not only did you do it, but you did more. And so we'll see that those funds make their way into the uh, oper uh, appropriate places. But you have already purchased, they're already in this building, uh, school supplies for pre-K through fifth grade for Rangers. So well done, church. Yeah. Please stand and worship with us.